When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. The New Statesman. I'm Ida Volk, Europe correspondent in Berlin. It's Wednesday, the 22nd of March, and you're listening to World Review from the New Statesman, a twice-weekly international news podcast. Today, for a special episode of World Review, I'm joined by Georgina Wright, director of the Institut Montaigne's Europe programme in Paris, to discuss French President Emmanuel Macron's decision to invoke a contentious article of the Constitution to override Parliament, and pass an unpopular reform to the pension system, and the chaos he has unleashed across France. Georgina, thanks so much for coming on today. Obviously, there's such interest in what's happening in France and you're in Paris. And so we thought we, we would record a special episode to talk, about, to talk about what's been going on in the background to this and what the consequences might be for Macron, for France and for Europe. I suppose to start off, can you give us the background to, to what happened? So Macron, has, he's had the ambition to, to raise the retirement age for a while and he, prote- he presented this, this bill to Parliament and was negotiating, was negotiating for a long time with smaller parties to try and get it through. And obviously last week decided to force it through with this article of the Constitution. So can you just get us up to speed on what's actually happened? Hi, Aiden. Thanks so much for having me on. But I think it's a really good question because context really matters and understanding what's going on right now and why so many people are upset with this reform. Mac Hall was elected for a second term and during his first term he'd already talked about passing this reform. So this is something that he's been talking about years and that's because France's debt is very high but he said we need to pass reforms to to bring that down to cut public spending and there's these are going to be difficult decisions but they're needed and they're needed not only because France and France is kind of its own sort of healthy they call it healthy fiscal spending in France but also because actually it really matters for France's influence in Europe if it's if it wants to be influential if it wants the EU to revise its own sort of budgetary rules what it helps to say, well, actually, we've got our own sort of spending under control. And at the moment, when they go to Brussels, you've got other countries like Germany, even if they don't say that publicly, will be like, well, your spending is out of control. So how can you now expect us to loosen our own rules? So there's, there are all sorts of internal, but also EU-wide debates about France's public debt. So this was really in that kind of mindset that, that Macron wanted to do this. He didn't get it done in his first mandate. And there was this real sense that it was now or never. Now, it wasn't Macron presented this. I think it's important it's the government that did because France has a presidential parliamentary system. But just after the presidential election, where we saw Macron being re-elected, his sort of, he, he failed to get the, a majority, an absolute majority in 
Parliament. So he knew that it would be very difficult to get these very tricky reforms through because he does, simply doesn't have the votes. And so that's why the government chose this 49th article of the Constitution, because basically what it says is we're going to force this through. And unless the sort of parliament passes a vote, a motion of no confidence, unless that's successful, then the bill can go through. And the, and the reason why they did that was because they didn't think it would get through any other way because they had a number of sort of discussions in l'Assemblée Nationale, so the lower house, and then they had discussions in the Senate. But in, in l'Assemblée Nationale, it was just so difficult to get any form of consensus around this that they felt that the only way that they could do it was push it through. And then, of course, if a majority of MPs didn't like it, they could simply pass this vote of no confidence, which would bring down the government and also stop the bill from getting through. And they failed to get those votes yesterday. Yeah. And I guess this has proven so contentious and has really inflamed tensions because, as you said, it was at least uncertain, very uncertain that the government had the votes to pass the reform, which is why they resorted to the 49-3. But obviously that has, this is a massively unpopular reform. The French people are very strongly against it. And it's now it's not even been approved by France's parliament, the people that the French, what the lawmakers that the French people elect to approve their laws have not had their say for a single time on this reform. And that's really inflamed tensions. So how is it in France at the moment? How is it in Paris? How have the different parties reacted to Macron's decision? I think there are two things here. The first is you're absolutely right to say that quite a number of the parties were saying this is completely an abuse of power. Macron is acting Louis Fourteenth, the Sun King. But on the day of when they ran through this pension reform, you had on Twitter, it was trending Bastille and the Sun King and we need a revolution. So it was all coming out. And yes, because you're right that there is this sense that MPs didn't have their say. But when you look at what the government's saying is, well, actually, we try to have debates and you're not at all looking at the technicalities of this. You're not engaging with it. You're simply refusing out of principle and you're not even looking at the text that we're proposing. So the, the government felt that they weren't able to actually have a debate. And if you looked at some of the scenes in the Assemblée Nationale, it's MPs are screaming, holding banners. It was just, it was complete chaos. So it d- depends slightly on on your perspective. But I think overall, it's difficult to judge how many people are against this reform. We know that there is at least a very a, a loud minority or a small majority that, that is against it. And for two reasons, you've got people who are against it simply because they don't want to have to retire later. You hear people being interviewed going, but my life starts at 62 when I retire and I don't live to work, but I work to live and you're taking this away from me. So there's, there are just some people who are completely against the fact that we have to increase the age. And then there are others who are saying, well, actually, we recognise that we well, that would still be significantly lower, that we'd still be retired much younger than we would if we lived in Germany or Sweden or the UK. But we don't like the way the government's going about it because actually there is real concern, particularly among the older ranges of population, that they don't have the skills set that they need to actually do well or to find a suitable job that would pay them well. And they're thinking, well, the companies don't want to invest in me now because they think in 15 years' time, I'm not, I'm not going to be worth it. And so I'm really worried that actually... I'll be 60 and then no one will want to recruit me. My company's just going to get rid of me. And even though that's sort of slightly exaggerated because it's actually really hard for fire people in France, but still I think that concern, it really matters. And you could tell that some people were saying, why didn't we address that first and make sure that we could 
keep keep hold of our jobs until we're 60, you know, 64 and then we can address whether or not we should increase the age. So there was this sort of how question matters as much as the what question. And I think it really, to come back to your question about different parties, the right wing party, the Republican, have always said that this needed a reform. So they agreed with the fact that it needed to be reformed, but they didn't like the way they were going about it. When you looked at the sort of two votes of no confidence that took place yesterday, a number of them didn't vote against the government, which sort of signals that they actually do support the reform. But on, on the left left wing in particular, but also the Bati Socialist and the Greens are really against it, full stop. And they disagree with the reform itself and also how the government's gone about it. But I think the results of this and these past couple of weeks have shown just how divided the French parliament is and how divided, frankly, French society is. And there's a real question of what role does the parliament play if the government just feels that it can ignore it. Wherever you are in the world, if you're interested in global affairs, you can subscribe to The New Statesman in digital, in print, or both from as little as £1 a week. That's 12 weeks for just £12. That's €1 a week in Europe and just $2 a week in America. Just go to www.newstatesman.com slash podcast offer. Hi, I'm Anoush and I host the New Statesman podcast. Twice a week, we get under the skin of Westminster to help understand what's going on and what's going to happen next. We interview politicians, policymakers and people on the front line to get you the full story behind the headlines. Plus hear from our award-winning editorial team, including political editor Andrew Marr, to get to the bottom of what on earth is happening. Listen to the New Statesman podcast. You can subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. I want to come back to this question of where things go from here. But just before we do, I'd like to just focus for a bit more on this question of legitimacy and of Macron bypassing parliament. The 49 I think, to a lot of listeners in 
other Western democracies will be something that's quite alien. I don't think it exists in the UK or in Germany, this idea that if getting the votes in parliament is just too inconvenient, then you can just bypass parliament and admittedly subject your government to a vote of confidence, but nonetheless forth through a law without consulting lawmakers, because obviously a vote of confidence is not the same as a vote on a particular bill. And as you said, the opposition parties are saying that this is an illegitimate law, that it was rammed through with a provision in the constitution that is in the constitution, but that is anti-democratic and that as a result this law is illegitimate. What do you make of that argument? Is this is this a, an anti-democratic provision or is there something to be said for it? Again, it really depends on your perspective. But what I would say is that, and this is before this kind of pension reform debate started, there was already in policy circles, but also actually on the news and if you watch sort of political debates, people are talking about the sixth republic. And that means basically changing the constitution. And one of the reasons why some people are advocating for a sixth republic is precisely because of this, because they feel that actually there's a complete imbalance between presidential power and the parliament. And there are a number of reforms that were passed in the early 2000s to try and rectify that balance. So they, for example, reduced the presidential term from seven years to five years so that it would coincide with the five-year parliamentary term. And then they also ensured that the presidential election would happen. And then a couple of months later, or at least within the same year, the parliamentary election would happen. That was, again, to try and bring a better balance, more coherence between the two. But in effect, what you've seen is a hyper-presidential uh, or a concentration in the presidential power. Because, of course, if you've just elected a president, that sort of galvanizes and slightly influences the parliamentary elections, whereas if you would hold them a bit like you do in the US, but if you have the midterms two years later, that's almost like a better checks and balance on how much they like what the president is doing or not. So there are real questions in France about how you rectify that balance and how you make sure the government can't just simply bypass parliament when when government feels it can't get what it wants. But equally, listening to quite a few ministers, French ministers, they say it's simply impossible to work with this parliament and and just you've got this massive opposition that refuses to engage with anything that we put forward. And meanwhile, we need to propose significant reforms. And we're not going to do this all the time, but this was necessary. And they could always oppose it by passing the vote, no confidence. So that's how they justify it. I think this question won't go away. And the fact that you've had Bastille revolution and sunken trending on Twitter shows that people are really worried. And what's interesting is that I, so I went to a couple of protests just to see who was there. And I worked not too far from Concorde, which is one of the main places in the, in sort of French memory of the revolution and everything else. And, and it was actually a lot of young people, like school, school kids or sort of students who were there. So this is something that really is a concern, not just to the older generations, but, but, but also throughout different generations. And I think that shows that there is a concern that the government or president is abusing his power. But again, I think let's not lose context or lose sight of the fact that there were debates and significant and long debates in Parliament about this reform and that there's always a possibility to bring down governments, especially given that the government has minority support in Parliament. So it would be technically quite easy to bring down the government if you wanted to. Well, to a point though, right, because all the opposition parties have to not only oppose the government, but they have to agree with each other. Agree, which is, well. Which is why the government didn't fall in the vote of in the votes of no confidence on Monday. But yeah, looking forward a bit, 
where do you see things going now? Obviously, this Macron's move, well, I know you say it's not Macron's government, but Elisabeth Borne reports to him, so he, he does he does call a lot of the shots here. Macron's government or Borne's government really enraged at the unions, the political opposition. As you said, there have been protests everywhere. I think my dad called me from Paris on the weekend and he said it really stinks here because there's a strike by the bin collectors. Well, I don't know if you can confirm, but he said it's pretty grim because the rubbish isn't being collected and and the unions have signaled that they're not going to stop. And so I suppose and now that the 49-3 has been used, can we expect the protests to, to peter out and kind of Macron to declare victory and the unions to, to accept that they've been defeated? Or do you think there's the prospect of kind of escalating direct action? Because apart from anything else, denying the National Assembly the directly elected voice of the people, a single vote on the reform kind of signals to people who are opposed to the reform that the only way to have your opposition to the reform heard is to go out on the streets because lawmakers, representatives don't get, didn't get a single vote on the issue. So really using the 1493 is a signal to those people that if you want to show that you're opposed, the only way to have that opposition heard is to protest. So yeah, what can we expect over the coming I can completely confirm that there are bins everywhere. So outside of my flat, there's a pile. I think that's been there for two weeks. And it is quite surreal walking around Paris and just seeing sort of bins everywhere. But as you said, this is definitely, it's more than a protest vote. Right? This is really standing up for what they believe in. And it doesn't look like these protests are that the numbers are petering out or anything else in, in effect. It's quite the contrary. People, there are more and more people who seem to go. It depends on the day, it depends on the weather, but still that anger is not going away. And I think, frankly, there are questions about whether the government can survive this with or without a vote in parliament. And this isn't the first time that the Bond government has used the, the use of it to pass the budget as well. And there is a question of how many more times will the government resort to this simply because it, it can't continue saying, well, actually, we just don't have a cooperative parliament. So that's the way things go. So I think there is a sort of reckoning in government circles that they need to find a way to work with this. And remember, the president can just dissolve parliament if he wanted to. And there was a whole question, wasn't there, around the time of the legislative elections of, oh, there's a minority, the government's not going to have the votes, an absolute majority in parliament, so it's going to be really difficult. Will Macron dissolve the Assemblée to call for new elections? for new parliamentary elections and that never happened and Macron said oh well it's because I want to try and work with this parliament lots of people thought that was simply because he thought it would actually be worse results and he'd have few supportive MPs but I think there are real questions about how long this government can hold and I don't at the moment it doesn't look like the protests are going to die down but equally it's very difficult to judge how many people are absolutely fundamentally opposed to this reform or whether they're more opposed to how the government went about it. Because if they're not opposed to the reform, then that it might the protests might pitch out on that front and they'll just accept this reform was needed. So be it and we'll work out how it works and everything else. But the question of if many people are opposed to how the government went about it, that's much more complicated. And Parliament your position could make the government's life much more difficult than it already has. But you could also see many more protests, many more people coming out and just basically almost calling for the government to, to, to you know, to bring down the government and those calls happening outside. And there's a lot that Macron wants to do between now and the end of his mandate. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. 
Yeah, let's just wrap up on this question of whether Macron is weaker and has been shown to be weak by this episode of obviously him using quite authoritarian powers. And Macron did spend months really saying that he wanted to get this passed with a vote in parliament. He was negotiating with the Republican Party, really making like multiple concessions to them to try and get their support. And not only did he clearly not manage that to the point that he had to force it through parliament with the 49-3, but I think something like a third of Republican MPs voted to censure his government, which meant that the censure motion came just nine votes from succeeding. Which obviously it shows his difficulty in getting a majority for this particular text, but it also sh shows the fact that he doesn't have a majority in Parliament. Whether we're talking about this text, this bill, or like future bills, for example, there's a big there's a big bill on immigration. How is he going to get that passed without a majority in Parliament? Is he going to use the forty nine three again for that immigration bill? And as you said, he's one year into a five year term. Can he expect to get anything done if he dissolves Parliament? Does he get a better result? Does Le Pen do much better? And he even ends up with the prime minister from a different party. They're, it's hard to see him coming out of this looking stronger. Instead, he looks aloof, isolated, weak, doesn't he? He certainly doesn't look, I'd say, he doesn't look comfortable. He's not comfortably seated right now, is what I would say. And yeah, there there is a question of, does he dissolve parliament? We have another call for elections. He has no... You could imagine a situation where he has no majority at all, in which case he has to appoint, technically he's supposed to appoint the prime minister, someone from representing the largest party in parliament. And you could have a situation where he's centre and then he has a sort of right wing or potentially left wing or prime minister. And I'm not sure that would necessarily work better, which is probably his thinking as well, which is it's quite hard to get stuff done now, but would it be significantly harder if that were to happen? But as you said, looking at one of the votes that happened yesterday, 278 votes in favour of bringing the sort of vote for no confidence, you only need 287 for that to go through. So we're not very far off and it's not implausible to think that there would be a vote for no confidence and that would force Macron's hand in a sense. So it's very unclear Lots of people say this will force Macron to be at all the bond government to actually spend much more time talking to different parliamentary groupings. I'm not sure that's the case. We will see. Others say that they will dissolve parliament or vote for no confidence, which will change things. But it, what I can say with absolute certainty, based in Paris, is that it's going to be tricky because, as you said, there's there are lots of really important bills that need to pass, and. Frankly, at the moment, most of the French ministers are sort of lining up behind Macron, but they're not exactly being 100% vocal in defending him either. And that's probably because quite a few of them are positioning themselves for the top job in a couple of years' time. So that's the other thing. If ministers start breaking ranks, almost being a bit critical, then he will be in a really weak position. But at the moment, he still has that support and he is still able to get stuff done but i think we will have to see a change in, in in the way that the government you know talks and speaks to and works with parliament and if that fails then i think we really will be in sixth republic territory where we will be seeing the people calling for a change to the constitution to make sure that never happens again all right well we'll have to leave it there but thanks so much for coming on at short notice thank you very much that's all the time we have for this special episode. Join us on Thursday for our regular discussion episode. If you're a regular World Review listener and haven't already subscribed, please subscribe. And please leave us a nice review. It really does help. Our producer's been Adrian Bradley. 
Thank you for listening and until next time. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.